Welcome back, everybody. That was the news. This is Encounter with God. We're going to be doing our Bible study, 20 million movement, 20 million people all studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. And you can be a part of that movement right here on Faith FM as we dig into the Word of God. Before we do, just want to mention a couple of things. Uh, both of the last songs that we played here were off of the uh, the movie Overcomer. Uh, of course, we were interviewing Cameron Arnett, who was one of the lead supporting actors for Overcomer. And that movie is available from, from all uh, good Christian bookshops. Uh, BBF was Better Books and Foods, was where I got my copy from. Let's get into our Bible study. Let's go to our first passage of the day, which is in Second Chronicles chapter 31, verse 20 and 21. We're talking about education at the moment. We are particularly talking about the role of the law in education. We have been noticing that this was the primary th- the primary tool that was used in education uh, in biblical times. This was kind of this was the purpose for education. The purpose for education was so that people could learn the law. We've been looking at the law in the context of obedience, and obedience is one of those words that has become a bit of a dirty word for some weird and strange and unfathomable reason because, well, why would disobedience be mm. anything positive? And people just want to do what they want to do. They do. They don't they want do. to be told. And, and, and Christianity has become, you know, we've, we've focused so much on grace, mm. and, and appropriately so, because you know, because we've had a past where Christianity has been quite legalistic, yes, and some parts of Christianity are still quite legalistic. You know, you do this, you do this, you do this, you get to heaven. Mm. And the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says that we get to heaven by grace, and so we've emphasised grace to the point that we have made obedience into something to be looked down upon. Yeah. No, we shouldn't be looking down on obedience because if you look down on obedience, then you are looking up by default. Think about this. By default, you are looking up at disobedience. We don't want to oh. exalt we don't want to exalt disobedience. Okay, yeah, yeah. Never thought of it that way. No, we don't want to exalt disobedience. We want to exalt obedience. Obedience is a good thing. Yes. This is positive. Yeah. All right, Second Chronicles chapter thirty one, verse twenty and twenty one. And it says, in this way, King Hezekiah handled the distribution throughout all Judah, doing what was pleasing and good in the sight of the Lord his God, in all that he did in the service of the temple of God, and in his efforts to follow God's laws and commands, Hezekiah sought his God wholeheartedly. As a result, he was very successful. Okay, so what did he do wholeheartedly in this passage? Well, it says that he did service and he followed God's laws and commands. And as a result of that, what was the result at the end? He was very successful. He was very successful. Mm. And so the Bible says that Hezekiah followed all of God's laws. As a result of that, he was very successful. Okay, so here comes the prosperity gospel. We're going to talk about the prosperity. We're going to preach the prosperity gospel this morning. I love this. Okay, let's go. All right. For those of you who know me, know that you know that I have a particular angst against the prosperity gospel as it comes out of the prosperity preachers, you know, from the United States and so forth. They're just preaching the doctrine of the Pharisees Mm. um, that wealth is a sign of the blessing of God. Yeah. That's the doctrine of the Pharisees right there. 
and you know reverse that equation if you're not wealthy then obviously you don't have the blessing of god and of course they like they they're like well look at us we are wealthy therefore we have the blessing of god yeah no you're wealthy because you guys are a bunch of fraudsters um but let's talk about the real prosperity gospel mm. the bible says here that hezekiah followed everything that god did god said he was obedient to everything God said, and therefore he was successful. So those things go together there, don't they? Obedience and success. Now here's something that I think you will all find very, very interesting to stop and think about. Let me ask this question. As a general rule in our world, are the Jewish people known as being successful? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. You know that's a general rule, and when you look around our world, around our world, you know all the different nationalities kind of have their specialty. You know, if we were to uh, say think about Germans, for instance, and what's their specialty, we're immediately going to think about engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, if we think about the Jews, we're immediately going to think about banking and finance and making money and uh, those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, and you know you can work your way to through different parts of the world, and you know different races have different specialties. Mm. Now, the Jewish religion, as a religion, is not a grace-based religion like Christianity. There's the difference between Judaism and Christianity is that Christianity is a, is a grace, a grace-based religion, salvation by grace. Whereas Jewish people are like, no, we, we, we obey the law of God and that's you know where we find salvation. But let's put salvation out of the equation for a moment. What happens if you get somebody who is even an out-and-out atheist, right? Mm-hmm. Completely secular. And I'm just going to put this out there. A lot of Jewish people are completely secular. I've met Jewish people that go regularly to the synagogue and when you talk to them, like, yeah, no, I'm an atheist. Oh, okay. I was like, well, why do you go to the synagogue? Well, you know, we've got a religion that goes back three and a half thousand years. Who else has that? This is a part of my culture. This is a part of my people. This is a part of who I am. And, you know, this is how, you know, basically we we preserve our tribe, so to speak. And that makes sense to a certain particular, you know, to, to a point. But then what you find is that even though atheism and secular Jewish population is very, very high in Israel and around the world, you're still behind them being successful if they obey the law of God. And I'm just going to say this. You can be an atheist, and if you obey the law of God, you're going to have a higher level of success than if you don't. It's just that Simple. It is a very simple equation. The law of God is just epically good code for a good and successful life. That won't earn you salvation. And this is what we need to differentiate between success and salvation. Now, I know there are a lot of people out there right now who are like, wow, <laughs> Lyle's preaching the prosperity gospel. Yeah, Lyle. <laughs> All right, so what I am saying is this. God has given us a code three and a half thousand years ago, a code for success. 
I'm not saying that your wealth is coming to you and you are becoming rich because God wants you to become rich. That's the difference. The prosperity gospel says that God wants you to be rich. Therefore, if you give your life to God, God's grace will make you rich. No, God's grace is going to give you salvation, not earthly wealth. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right. So this is obviously God's law, a foundation for the education of Israel. The purpose of education in Israel was so that they could learn the law of God. And this is why they developed a culture in which people right down to the peasants were educated. The sole purpose was so that you could learn the law of God. Now, Let's move on from where we were. We were saying that somebody, regardless of whether they believe in God or not, regardless of whether they have received the grace of God, will be more successful if they keep the law of God than if they don't. Simple fact. Does that, does that then mean that keeping the law of God makes them immune from disaster? Hmm. I don't think so, no. No, it doesn't. <laughs> because it doesn't make Christians immune from disaster either. Yeah. And so what I'm doing here is I guess I'm creating two different categories. You've got law keepers and you've got Christians. Maybe we should create three categories, Christians who are law keepers. And none of them are going to be immune from disaster. You know, one of the weird things about the prosperity gospel is it kind of actually uh, teaches you how to be unsuccessful. Oh, yeah. Because the prosperity gospel t- preachers will say that uh, prosperity is going to come to you as a result of the blessing of God, that you are saved by grace and that God's law was nailed to the cross, which implies you don't need to keep it. So it's just a matter of give your life to Jesus, he's going to make you wealthy. Whereas if they said keep the glory of God, keep the Ten Commandments, there would actually be an element of truth to what they said. But because they nail the commandments to the cross and get rid of the Ten Commandments, there is no element of truth to the prosperity gospel. None whatsoever at all. But the Ten Commandments are a great moral code that will bring you success. Does it mean that you will be immune from uh, the challenges that we face in our world? Let's go to Mark chapter 6. Are law keepers immune? Mark chapter 6, verse 25 to 27, please. Renee. Uh, yes, okay. So, so the girl hurried back to the king and told him, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a tray. Then the king, was deep, then the king deeply regret, regretted what he had said, but because of the vows he made in front of his guests, he couldn't refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner to the prison to cut off John's head and bring it to him. The soldier beheaded John in prison. Okay, so who was John? He was a prophet. How important of a prophet was John? He was very important. He prepared the way for Jesus. Out of all the prophets of the Bible... Where does he rank? I think he would be actually pretty much the top, right? Top, top dog. <laughs> the Bible said, Jesus said he was the greatest of the prophets. Mm. So if John is the greatest of the prophets, then he has the greatest blessing of God. Uh, uh, yes. Did he experience uh, wealth? No. No, the Bible says that he lived a very, uh, very, very simple life. Yeah. 
He never experienced wealth. Did he experience long life? I think no, this passage didn't. this passage just answered our question, didn't no. it? He, he died very, very young. Um, died in his early 30s yeah. uh, because Herod cut his head off, which is pretty horrific. Okay, so we've got a couple of uh, text messages coming through. Um, I may have uh, missed one of these from earlier on. I probably should have done it after the break. But anyway, uh, okay, so the first one refers back to our story on abortion in Queensland, around uh, about 3,000, about 3,500 uh, children aborted within a 30 um what was it, the first the first first thirty weeks of the new abortion laws? Nine to the, nineteen of those children survived abortion uh, to be left to die outside of the womb. Really, really horrific stuff. And uh, somebody texted through and said, "God must shed a tear for every child that is aborted, not only for the baby but for the mothers who will be scarred all their lives." God will not forget those doctors who do these abortions. He can read their hearts. He can also reach their hearts. Yeah. You know, we need to pray that our doctors have compassion. Um, anyway, this text is directly in relationship to what we're talking about. Uh, if wealth is a proof that you are blessed, and it can be, were any of the disciples wealthy and live in luxury during their missionary journeys? <laughs> All right, this is this is an interesting <laughs> point, isn't question. it? We were talking about John the Baptist. All right, let's talk about the disciples now. Yeah. Let's talk about the Apostle Paul because he was set yeah. he for was a, life. He was a Pharisee. Or... He was set to become the most significant lawyer in the second largest economy in the Roman Empire. Hmm. So the first largest economy in the Roman Empire was the city of Rome. The second largest was the city of Jerusalem and specifically the temple in Jerusalem. Really? Yes. Wow, okay. It was massively powerful, and he was about to become one of the most powerful individuals within that society. So that's a life of incredible wealth and luxury uh, that he was set for. Well, what did Paul get? A life of poverty and sacrifice and... Imprisonment? Imprisonment. Shipwrecks, being beaten, running for his life, running for his life. You know, we could go down through the list, couldn't yeah, we? Yeah. This is what the disciples faced. There's a very, very good point being brought out right here. Uh, what happened to the prosperity gospel there? I think it might have failed. Ten out of the twelve were martyrs. John lived to an old age. They tried to martyr him. He was boiled in oil, and and, and God saved him. Judas hanged himself. Um, and he was the one who was in charge of the money. Mm. Yeah. Very, very, very valid point right there um, in relationship to what we're talking about with the prosperity gospel. Okay, we were reading Mark. Yes. And we were reading about the story of John the Baptist. And we were reading about the, well, the very short life that he lived. Of the greatest prof- prophet. Of the greatest prophet mm. of all. Let's go to Job chapter 1. Verse 2. And here a lot of people say, okay, here's a a guy who was um, definitely blessed by God. He obeyed God. Actually, read verse 1. Job 1, verse 1. So there once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. Verse 2. He had seven sons and three daughters. Okay. 
Let's think about Job. The Bible says he was somebody who feared God and stayed away from evil. He was somebody who was obedient. Yes. Was he successful? Yeah, to some degree, yeah. He was the wealthiest man in the world in his day. Yes. That's pretty successful from a human standpoint. Was he immune from disaster? Absolutely not. (laughs) So what did Job lose in one day? Oh, everything. His family? Yes. All his kids? Yes. His livestock, his home? Yes. His friend? Yeah. He was only left with with two things Mm. on the first day. He was left with his health and his wife. And you might wonder, well... Why did Satan leave his wife alive? Yeah. Well, as it turns out, when you read down through the story, his wife turned out to be a servant of Satan. So obviously um, she was left alive because she was the one who said, just curse God and die. Hmm. She was she was like, that's it, I'm done with God. Hmm. It's just, you know. And praise God for what Job did. Hmm. Um, Job stood firm. And as a result of that, we uh, we don't know, but we suspect that his wife, Saw the light and came around, but it would be incredibly hard. I don't even know, imagine how you could lose, you know, all of your family, all of your children in one day. And, you know, and Job still had that positive attitude towards God, along with losing all of his possessions, all of his wealth just wiped away. And his family. Uh huh. And so what you've got here is that success comes as a result of keeping the law of God. No question about that. But that does not make us immune from disaster. You know, the prosperity gospel will tell you, yes, it will make you, you you know, if you give me money, then you will become immune from disaster. Mm. Not how it works. And Jesus never preached the prosperity gospel. In fact, he was forever preaching the first shall be last, um, you know, the blessed are the poor. <laughs> it was an, it was a kingdom. The kingdom of heaven was sort of inverse. It was flipped. It's not what we would typically think. Prosperity comes when we get to heaven, not here on this earth. Prosperity gospel preachers are charlatans and frauds. They're not preaching what the Bible teaches. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Where are we up to? Let's go to Second Corinthians chapter, and this is what we were talking about a few minutes ago. Second Corinthians chapter eleven, and let's start reading in verse twenty-three. All right. It says, Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Keep going. Keep going. This is Paul. This is Paul. Uh, Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not i have worked hard and long enduring many sleepless nights i have been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food i have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm then besides all this i have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches who is weak without my feeling that weakness who is led astray that i do not burn with anger wow 
Ooh. Can you can you compete with this one, Renee? No, uh, Paul, you take you take the cup. He wins. Of the Jews, five times I received forty stripes, save one. Oh. That's uh, thirty nine lashes. Um, three times I was beaten with rods. Mm. Let me see here. He was shipwrecked. Once I was stoned. I mean, the guy was executed. Yes, many times. But yeah, that's right. He was executed many times, and he and he survived it. Three times I suffered. I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I spent in the sea. You know, we only have in the Bible the story of one of Paul's shipwrecks, and that that Luke records in the book of Acts. And on that occasion, he would have been in the sea for maybe, you know, probably 20 minutes at the very most, but, you know, maybe five or ten, mm. you know, because they were shipwrecked um, on the shore and he just had to get to shore and get there alive. Uh, so here you've got, you know, there was another time when he was obviously shipwrecked a long way from the shore and he was clinging to something or swimming for a day and a half. Man. Imagine the exhaustion. Oh, I can't. I think this guy kind of takes the cake. Yeah. yeah. For sacrifice, not for prosperity yes. in a worldly sense. And yeah. yet he would count this as being incredible prosperity. Mm. Because at the end of his life, he says, you know, I've finished the race, I've fought a good fight. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of life, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not me only, but all those who love his appearing. Mm. Um, okay, so uh, we've got somebody texting through to say this. Uh, we forgot to mention Jesus. Did he live a wealthy life? Okay, so Good what point. did Jesus own by the time he came to the end of his life? I feel like it was just his clothes. Yes, he owned a bedsheet. Wait, what? That was it. Okay. Yeah, well, it's kind of, kind of like this. Um, he, he owned some clothing and when they went to divide his clothing up, it was a piece of cloth without a seam. Mm. So if it had no seam, it's kind of what we describe as being a bedsheet, isn't it? Yes, yeah. You know, or a blanket or whatever. That's, that was Jesus' entire possessions. This is the ruler and the creator of the universe. Hmm. You know, nobody was more obedient or in tune with the Father than Jesus Christ. Yes. I think Jesus, his life completely annihilates the prosperity gospel. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it just, how does it even exist when you've got, when you throw Jesus into the equation? Mm. And of course, Paul here, yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely following in the footsteps of Jesus. And in doing so, he's going through all kinds of things. In perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils amongst false witnesses. You know, the list just goes on and on and on right here. Did we have another clue for our quiz yet? We do have another clue. I nearly forgot it. (laughs) Let me make sure that I'm going to read the right one. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. Here we go. Joseph accused his brothers of being this. All right. What did Joseph accuse his brothers of being? Mm. If you know the answer, the numbers to call are... one eight hundred three two four eight four three, 324 843 or text us on 0491 064 Now, the quiz that was answered earlier, somebody, I think somebody mentioned we didn't give, actually give the correct yes. answer. Yes. 
for the first one. We didn't actually announce it. We didn't announce it. That's right. Yes. So uh, the first quiz, the answer was money. Kind of goes along with the theme of what we're talking about today. (laughs) Well chosen right there. All right. Let's uh, go to Psalms chapter 84 and verse 10. Psalms 84 and verse 10. Let's talk about obedience here and let's talk about prosperity and what true prosperity is. Psalms 84 verse 10, please, Renee. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. There you go. Mm. Okay, so what does David say here? He says, I would rather be a gatekeeper. You know, the lowest of the lowest of the lowest servants in the house of God than to live an entire life amongst the wealth of the wicked. Yeah. That's a very, very different attitude than what we often hear being promoted these days. We, yeah. Sorry. This is from a guy who was, um, who, who was a king. <laughs> That's right. This is a guy who knew what he was talking about. Yeah. You know, he's not, he's not just sort of making up uh, random stuff here. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay. Let's go to our question of the day. Okay, why do we follow rules that aren't in the Ten Commandments? For example, like tithing and eating clean and unclean foods. Okay, so first of all, who says they're not in the Ten Commandments? In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8, the Bible says, Will a man rob God? Now, last time I read the Ten Commandments, the commandment said, Thou shalt not steal. So the Bible says, Will a man steal from God? Yet you have stealed from me, stolen from me. But you say, Wherein have we stolen from you? In tithes and in offerings. So the tithes and offerings are totally a part of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Um, and you find them right through the Bible. You find them right through the Old Testament, New Testament, right the way through. Yeah. Some people say like, oh, this is a Jewish thing. You know, this began with the law of Moses. No, the, ten, the, 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 the law of tithing was assumed in the Bible hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Moses. And it is repeated by the Apostle Paul in a couple of verses before the ones, Second Corinthians, a couple of verses before we were just reading, it was reaffirmed by Jesus Christ when he was here on this earth. So why would we do away with Ten Commandments? And when did it cease to be stealing? To uh, Sorry, why would we do away with tithing? And when did it cease to be stealing to, uh, um, you know, to withhold our tithe from God? Mm. Okay, so there's the first point. The second point is this. And that is that there are a number of different laws in the Bible. The law that was nailed to the cross was the ceremonial law. Simple as that. There are other laws in the Bible that we need to consider. The Ten Commandments are the eternal constitution of the government of God and they cover all sin. There is no sin that is not covered under the Ten Commandments. All sin is included in the Ten Commandments. Um, and you can you know, use, for example, okay, well, what about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? Well, uh, let's see. The Bible says, God said, don't eat that fruit, so they stole. Thou shalt not steal. The Bible says, uh, thou shalt not lie. Uh, um, and they certainly misrepresented the truth when God, like, well, where are you and what happened? You know, oh, this woman that you gave me and so forth. Uh, the Bible says thou shalt not covet. Well, they sure did that. The Bible says um, thou shalt not murder. Well, they brought sin into the world. They, they, they killed themselves as a result of eating it. They broke that one. Uh, the Bible says thou shalt only have you know no other gods before me. Uh, they broke that when they placed their religion. You know, the list goes down on and on down through, and that's the same with any sin. Anything that is a sin in the Bible is breaking one or more of the Ten Commandments. Mm. 
So you have the Ten Commandments, the eternal constitution of the government of God. You also have um, you also have the laws of the theocracy that begins with Moses and ends with the Babylonian invasion. Um, that has all, the, all of your civil penalties in it. Then you have laws of uh, uh, the ceremonial law that begins with sin and ends with the cross. And then you have the laws of health and hygiene. Now, why would God want only Jewish people to be healthy and hygienic? That doesn't make any sense. That's not a God of love. Uh, There's nowhere in the Bible where the laws of health, health and hygiene have been removed. In fact, they are reaffirmed in a number of places in the New Testament. And you might say, well, okay, how does that break the Ten Commandments? Well, first of all, thou shalt not covet. You know, lust, lusting after certain foods is a major issue in the Bible and the Bible addresses that at the end of time that people who lust after eating dead pigs, for instance, at the end of time will be lost. Isaiah chapter 66, very clear about that, verse 15 to 17. Um, the Bible talks about you know, lusting after alcohol and so forth and you know, no drunkard is going into heaven. So these things are repeated and confirmed in the New Testament. Uh, in fact, at the Jerusalem Council, when they were trying to decide what was it that applied to all of Christianity and what was just Jewish culture, particularly looking at the issue of circumcision, God led them to the understanding that circumcision was just for the Jewish culture and the Jewish nation. But then when they pronounce sentence in Acts chapter 15, it's interesting what they include. Acts chapter 15, they give a very brief summary here. Acts chapter 15, I'll turn over there very quickly, of what is actually included that is handed on to Gentiles. Now, I'm a Gentile. I'm pretty sure you're a Gentile. You look like a Gentile to me. Uh, Liam, Gentile? Yep, yep. Okay, so we're all Gentiles here, so this applies to all of us. So this is the Jerusalem Council where they're actually trying to figure out what is it that has come to an end and what continues. The Bible says, Wherefore, in verse 19, My sentence is that we do not trouble those which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but but that we write unto them, unto the Gentiles, that they abstain from pollutions of idols. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make a carved image. Right? And from fornication, thou shalt not commit adultery. And from things strangled and from blood. That's only found in the health laws. This is a summary of the Ten Commandments and the health laws that was passed on to the Gentile Church. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.